This episode of Nintendo Expansion Pass is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to find out more about Boss Rush Media's family of podcasts, head on over to patreon.com slash bossrushmedia to see which tier is right for you. Thanks for helping us build something better. Everybody, welcome to Nintendo Expression Pass here on Boss Rush Media. I'm your host, and like excited Eddie V. Joining me is the one, the only bossman himself, Mr. Corey Derrick. Hello, good sir. Hello, Edward. Happy, uh, happy holidays to you, sir. Happy, happy holidays to you. It feels like we haven't recorded in a while for Expression Pass. We, we <laughs> haven't. <laughs> this is why we're recording it. <laughs> uh. uh. Yeah, I mean, we we need to be better about doing this, I think. Uh, but you know, we're tr- we're trying, everybody. I would really like to bring it back every week, but who knows what's going to happen next year uh, or this year, depending on which feed you're listening to this on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody. Uh, we are uh, back in the building, and uh, we had an amazing 2023 uh, in, with Nintendo and with gaming in general and um, well the games were amazing the amount of layoffs was not amazing that is true <laughs> uh and stuff and um you know we'll probably we'll probably see some more uh who knows uh but like i i kind of wonder what's going to happen in first quarter like in the spring um will there be like a lot of hires with new studios pop up uh, will people who got laid off would they still be in the gaming industry, but just somewhere else? Um, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah, the gaming industry is a uh, real interesting. Um, but you know, uh, hopefully everybody that was affected this year finds work. Uh, I know a, a couple. Uh, developers have already said that they've found work and that's great. Um, but you know, we need more of that. So hopefully, hopefully everybody finds work and, uh, uh, there's a better 2024 out there for everybody. Yes. So everybody, uh, today's expression pass, uh, I kind of asked, I'm going to ask Corey, uh, this question because I kind of read, this new story on Nintendo life and the title of the article says Zelda producer response to fans who want a more traditional linear adventure. Um, this is written by Elena uh, Hagus and she writes the legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom continues to pave a new path for the Zelda franchise building on a gorgeous open world formula that Nintendo introduced to introduced Link to in Breath of the Wild. But while these games have received critical acclaim, some fans des- desperately miss the old style of Zelda, the more linear games. Well, Zelda series producer uh, E.G. Anuma is aware of that. In-, in an interview with IGN, he has a rather interesting response. Acknowledging that Tears of the Kingdom has taken the series in a different direction, Anuma puts fans' desires partially down to nostalgia, but also on wanting the thing that we don't currently have. However, Anuma also feels like particularly 
Uh, sorry about that. In Tears of the Kingdom, there is a set path. It just happens to be the path that the player chooses. He quotes, It's interesting when I hear people say they want more linear Zelda because I'm wondering, why do you want to go back to a type of game where you're more limited or more restricted in the types of things or ways you can, you can play? But I do understand that desire that we have for nostalgia. And so I can also understand it from that aspect. Tears of the Kingdom certainly feels like it took on a lot of feedback, particularly surrounding dungeons. While Divine Beasts were the suede of dungeons of Breath of the Wild, many felt they weren't enough. Tears of the Kingdom introduces dungeons, and Enuma talks about those in one of his responses. He mentions that it was the team's intention when dungeons in this follow-up to put a bit more density or thoughtfulness into the designs. And these dungeons include puzzles, many of which can be solved through multiple solutions. When Breath of the Wild, the idea was to rethink the, the conventions of the series, which mean, meant the team broke apart the traditional Zelda, though Numa heard fans' requests. But he quotes, But then we did hear the desire from fans for a bit more of a design dungeon. And that led to our approach to Dungeons for Tears of the Kingdom. And, as, and so as we proceed, whenever we're making a game, we look back at our past and then consider where we are now with the freedom that we give to the player in these games. Uh, IGN's interview with Numa and the game's director, Hidamaru Fujibayasha, is rather extensive and gives us an insight into what the team was aiming for with the sequel, as well as other potentials in the Zelda series. Uh, one of these is the potential of a playable Zelda in a future game in the series. Anuma is vague, but he certainly leaves the door open. Um, so, I, I know I read the whole article and everything, uh, but it does kind of give an insight Um why people want to go back to this traditional linear Zelda uh, mm. when they were crying out for it to go open world and bring freedom to yeah. have this Grand Theft Auto sandbox world. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's it's one of two things, right? I think I think there are genuinely people who don't like the open worldness of Breath of the Wild. I think mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think that it's not, you know, Zelda as we've grown up to think about it, right? I've heard a lot of people actually say that that uh, the open world style is not for them. Um, and also like that's you know people not liking open worlds, and also people just feeling nostalgic for things like Ocarina or Twilight Princess. You know those style of games like yeah i think i think you can live in a world where all three versions of zelda can exist right like the top mm -hmm. deck, a classic a classic 3d and then now the breath of the wild style right yes i think we i think we live in a world where all three can exist where like the open world breath of the wild style is like the main style now but we've also seen Nintendo revisit 2D Zelda time and time again during the, you know, Ocarina style 3D games, right? We, we saw them do it with Minish Cap and, uh, you know, the Oracle games and uh, what Phantom Hourglass uh, Link Between <laughs> Worlds, right, is one of the best Zelda games. People have a lot of high praise for that. Yes. 
So I think there is a world you can do that, but I still think that the main Zelda series moving forward is going to be the open world style. And I'm okay with that. I, I really like tears of the kingdom a lot. Um, I, the thing I don't like is the building aspect. That's like the one thing that I don't care for in that game. And I hope they, I hope they know that that part of the game was divisive, which they kind of did in the first place, right? Where like they give you the parts that you need to, to figure out where to go and how to get there. Right. With (laughs) minimal effort. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I feel like that tears of the kingdom went a step too far in that direction. Uh, And I think maybe that divisive mechanic maybe made people feel more nostalgic for traditional Zelda. Like I really thought Breath of the Wild was perfect how it was, right? I really thought it was, you know, the open world, uh, at at least in that mechanic. I really liked the dungeons from Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, I I just, I love being in that world and I loved exploring. Uh, So, you know, I really think it's just nostalgia. Uh, but also, you know, there there is a there is a charm to those games where, you know, I think it I think it serves storytelling better. Um, not that Nintendo's the greatest at storytelling anyway. Uh but you know, I mean Skyward Sword is heavily regarded as one of the best Zelda stories ever, even though the game is, you know, you say what you will about the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Twilight Princess I thought had a really great story uh i think there's a way also where you can have that nostalgia for the classic zelda games and fit it into the open world proper and i think tears of the kingdom tried their best at that because let's be honest tears of the kingdom if you're following the main path is very linear that game is super linear you just have to go to the places where your quest log tells you right yes Um, and yeah you can tackle any of the four dungeons however you would like and you know, you do have to do some extra side quests to get the master sword to do it properly and uh, that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, Tears of the Kingdom was way more linear than Breath of the Wild ever was. Uh, and I think I think there's a way you can balance that style of Zelda with a classic 3D style. And they almost did it with Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, I we ha- had that discussion over the summer where like I really felt like this was way closer to something like a classic 3d Zelda game uh, with the breath of the wild mechanics than breath of the wild was to a classic 3d Zelda game. So um, I don't know. I could go either way on this. Twilight princess is my favorite Zelda game of all time. Right. Uh, You know, breath of the wild is, you know, it depends on what day you ask me. Right. But breath of the wild is might be my favorite game of all time. Twilight Princess is like a one B <laughs> at this point, <laughs> uh, you know, so I do like both. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just to wrap up my thought, because I'm starting to talk in circles, is that I think there's a world where we can live with all three styles of Zeldas and everybody can be happy every two years or so, you know. Well, I think uh, before I kind of I, I provide my answer, I think. And you mentioned Link Between Worlds. I think that is the perfect balance of having nostalgia or the old style design Zelda games with the new modern of open world uh, 
you know, freedom um, that you will find that you could find in a Zelda game where it does have some linear parts here and there, but you tackle the dungeons any way that you want to. And you don't have to worry about the weapons because you have to rent them before you could keep them. I, don't, I think you don't even get to like find any special weapons in any of the dungeons and stuff, you know. So if you got all your rupees to get all the weapons that you need to rent, you know, the only thing you really got to worry about pressurize is dying because if you die, your weapon gets taken back and you have to buy it, <laughs> and, you know, to, and you have to go rent it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything, and so I think with people saying that they want to go back to the old linear style, I, I think you have previous games that that offer that. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like Zelda cannot evolve and grow if they don't try different things and put that world and experience different gameplays, um, for it. Uh, you know, they they put Zelda in a three D perspective and made it you know open. You do have some freedoms to get some places here and there. They threw it a little bit Metroid in. So once you acquire a set of the weapon, you could go back to a spot that was hard to achieve. And you know now you can achieve your goals. Would the reward be good? Who knows? It depends on how you play and what you uh, take away from that quest and everything. I think open world, I think it's not open world. I think breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom felt too intimidation for a lot of people. Cause they feel like they're not creative enough to uh, build things or figure out a puzzle or um, get a, get to places that, uh, they are, you know, they have to figure out on how to get there. And I'm not calling people dumb or anything, but some people are just not that creative. They need some kind of uh, guide or some help to get them to places. Um, and Tears of the Kingdom definitely is, like I said, Breath of the Wild Tears of the Kingdom are more science games than they are regular adventure games. Like, you have to figure out some things on your own, and you have to build and create some things on your own to get where you're at and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel like... <laughs> I definitely feel like uh, Tears of the Kingdom was more of an experiment in terms of physics and building and engineering mm-hmm. than Breath of the Wild was. I feel like Breath of the Wild was more game like gamified around its mechanics. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely prefer Breath of the Wild over uh, Tears of the Kingdom. But at the end of the day... I think it just prefer, and I think again, it just comes down to preference, you know. I mean, I know a lot of people who don't like the 3D Zelda games at all. They just want to play Link to the Past forever, and then you know, not experience a good time. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there are definitely, um, definitely uh, people like that. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it comes down to preference, and Zelda 
has always done something unique to change their uh, gameplay up, you know? So, right. And this happens in a lot of Nintendo games. Um, just yeah, in but it, general. It seems, like, it seems like this argument revolves around Zelda more than any other uh, franchise that Nintendo has at this point. I mean, yeah, people can point at Metroid, but like Metroid's definitely not as popular. Uh, well, people, I think, because I like people joke around with Mario Bros. Oh, Princess Peach or Daisy or whoever is kidnapped by Bowser or Koopa, wherever you want to call them. You got to go save her. And I'm like, you know, it's, yeah, it, it, sometimes it is those games, but other times it's not really that that's that premise is not the focus it's you proceeding through a level and how to survive through it and everything you know and nintendo likes to change that up um by a few different power-ups and art styles and uh maybe some a little bit gameplay mechanics like they i think that's the thing with nintendo i was having this talk with sebastian um about it uh he's talking to, he we was talking about nostalgia um with nintendo and i and i kind of just told him like i think that's the easy excuse people use with nintendo when it comes to nostalgia they never use it with microsoft and they never use it with sony like those games could come out and still produce the same stuff that they had in the past years and no one would never mention nostalgia but nintendo does it and yes nintendo has a rich history with their first party and stuff they always try to bring something different something innovative or creative and everybody still ignore well people not everybody people ignore that it's still used the nostalgia factor you know um, and i told them just like halo has nostalgia factor but that word is not used gears have that nostalgia factor but that word is not used um jack and daxter and uh well well actually crash bandicoot has that nostalgia factor but no one used that word and we i was saying i'm just oh, like i think people i think people use nostalgia for crash and jack a lot i think i think where the term nostalgia loses itself is uh at this point is the like the 360 ps3 generation because we mm-hmm. think of that as modern because it was really the first hd consoles and uh the way we kind of know video games today kind of started in that era as well, right? Like third person action games with, uh, you know, gears and resident evil five. And, uh, you know, that's when Sony really started picking up their kind of what they're known for now with uncharted and the last of us and, uh, that kind of thing. Right. So, you know, I think, I think we kind of, use that generation as hey this is the modern era of gaming mm-hmm. uh, but i still th- i think there's a lot of talk about nostalgia for crash and old crash and jack especially jack one especially people love jack and daxter people want sly oh, yeah. cooper and jack and daxter to come back so bad yeah which i'm like you know those games i could take or leave uh but i think it would actually add some kind of <laughs> you know, flavor to PlayStation's lineup of games at this point. But, uh, you know, I, I think, I think where people have trouble 
using the word nostalgia is definitely that first HD era. Um, what do you call it? The consoles. So, so I, 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 I kind of just wonder why when it's Nintendo games that, you know, I think sometimes people who look on the outside of Nintendo who, who may not be a big fan or uh, really experience their games, um, but they hear about them and I guess we don't own its history and stuff. I, I wonder why they feel like Nintendo hasn't pushed through the medium that they're using nostalgia or they're using their old IPs or rec- well-recognized IPs to kind of stay in the gaming sphere and stuff. Um, you know, of, of course it's Mario, like Mario Metro and stuff. And, and the reason why I, I consider Metro as part of this is because of how it birthed exploration and games and backtracking and stuff like that. Um, oh, oh, why that little gameplay mechanic is in, in so many games to this very day, you know. Like, I, I, I think sometimes I wish people would say, would say Nintendo's foundation of games than nostalgia. Because I, I think when it comes to gaming, it, even with the Zelda stuff, I think people want that foundation of Zelda um, to come back. Because they feel like, in my opinion, they feel like Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, mostly Tears of the Kingdom, that it has lost its foundation. And it's delivering something that maybe they didn't really grow up as um, and everything. Uh, so when you don't have that foundation, who's going to hold my hand? Who's going to guide me through this single-player campaign? You know, it's good to have exploration stuff, but who is going to get me through this stuff? And I, I think if we had, if we used to, I think if we used to turn foundation, we could have a better discussion than nostalgia and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think I also, I think Zelda is kind of like the, it's kind of like, uh, especially, especially Ocarina. And that's where like a lot of people experience their first Zelda experience, including, mm-hmm. including me, aside from running around in, in Link's Awakening on the Game Boy, not knowing what I was doing. Right. But like, yes, Ocarina was a lot of people's first real Zelda experience. And I think, I think that nostalgia, right. And, you know using the term foundation, right? I mean, that was Ocarina of Time's footprint was the foundation through Skyward Sword, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when you have a found, when you have a foundation like that for a series for, when did Ocarina come out? 98? Uh, ninety seven, ninety eight. I think, yeah. Yeah. So nine. Let's let's just say ninety eight. So for fifteen years, that's you know, somebody who was five, or you know, let's see, somebody that was eight, right, playing Ocarina. Mm-hmm. You know, ended up what twenty one, twenty two when Skyward Sword came out. Like that's that's a long time to have yeah. to have like, you know, we got, uh, what five major games in that footprint. 
and then you know the 2D ones that came to handhelds, I guess. Uh, let's see, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, uh, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, Skyward Sword. Yeah, yeah, it'd be and those then, five. And then you know, like after Skyward Sword, or even you know, beginning before, we started getting open world stuff like you know, Morrowind and Oblivion and Fallout mm-hmm. and, you know, the Witcher games started coming out around that time and Zelda felt antiquated when Skyward Sword came out, you know, uh, you know, with the the gameplay of essentially a game from 1998 mixed with standard definition graphics when HD had taken off faster than Nintendo anticipated mixed with motion controls that people were kind of over by the time that game came out. Like Nintendo knew there needed to be some sort of change. And the fact that um, breath of the wild was their next big step in that was kind of incredible in a way that, you know, the way that I would say something like Skyrim took over people's imaginations when it came out or the Witcher three came out, you know, and, and, I think I think those are really pivotal moments for the development of the next Zelda. You know, I, I also mm-hmm. stuff like non-traditional fantasy games. I would say something like Grand Theft Auto probably influenced a lot too with its open world. You know, you can say what you want about its gameplay mechanics or you know the type of game that it is. People obviously love Grand Theft Auto. You know, we have opinions on it that don't align with a lot of people, but you can't deny how influential Grand Theft Auto has been also. And so having Zelda take on that open world formula really did a lot to reinvigorate the series. And obviously like Breath of the Wild worked, it's the best selling Zelda game of all time, you know, and it, it trounced every other Zelda game at, you know, almost combined to a point. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. the best selling game before that was Ocarina of Time and it was, it sold what 10 million units, 11 million units. So, which is nothing to sneeze at for a Nintendo 64. Game, oh no, right? but still, Oh like, heck no. But like you have five games come out after that and that's still your best selling one. Like, and then you have breath of the wild hitting what almost 30, at least 25, 26 million at this point. I mean, I don't yeah. have the numbers right in front of me, but it's pretty close to 30. And then you have it's, tears of the kingdom coming in at around 17 or 18 at this point. I and probably growing. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think people, who are looking for and I agree with you say that it's probably people from this from this 3D era of the Zelda franchise because if you go back to literally the original the first Zelda game it, it really is what you guys play now without no hand holding you, you do not know what to do or where to go mm-hmm. in the Zelda in those Zelda games yeah. In the first one. And so if you try to figure out what to do and where to go, you literally have to explore the whole map. They don't, they really, they give you some clues for some stuff. But if you really wanted to explore the Zelda game, the first one, if you went there in, in that game for the first time, uh, after you played the 3D games and just really want to see the foundation of the Zelda games, mm-hmm. 
if you play the first one, you're going to be like, oh, what the heck do I do? Where do I go? I'm like, why am I getting killed? Why is it? Where's these horses? Like, you will be like, oh, I need a, a little ladder thing to cross a bridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need a raft to float to a dungeon or to this other thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's so much in the original Zelda game that it wasn't Zelda never started off linear. You had to figure out where to go to get the places. Mm-hmm. It only became linear like you it it really became linear once Link uh Link to the Past went. And then when the 3D Zeldas came, that's when the next evolution of Zelda happened or the Zelda games happened and how they was mixing open world uh freedom in games and still have it linear yeah that was also at a time though like especially like the super nintendo era all the way through i would say the gamecube era although we did have you know gta games at that point but like yeah linear i mean even gta is linear unless you're just screwing around in the open world right but like nobody really knew how to make an open world game feel open you know until right you know, really Skyrim and Oblivion, you know? So, uh, just to, just to point, (coughs) just to point everything out here, um, Breath of the Wild has, as of September, has sold 31 million units, and Tears of the Kingdom has sold 18.5 million units as of September. That's uh, crazy. (laughs) Hold on. Ocarina of Time sales numbers. Yeah, my nose is really stuffy today. Okay, so <laughs> Ocarina of Time, I was way off. During the life during its lifespan, Ocarina of Time for the Nintendo 64 saw uh 7.6 million copies worldwide sold. So you know, that's uh <laughs> you know, Z- Zelda is uh people like the open world and I think the people who yeah. are clamoring for classic 3d zelda games are in the vocal minority at this point although i would i would take one but i'm not like i'm not going to be mad if the next one is breath of the wild style right of like open world so uh i'm gonna look up the rest of these twilight princess twilight princess sales numbers this might be skewed because it's out on three platforms uh so Twilight Princess was the best selling is the best selling Zelda game until Breath of the Wild came out. Uh, total sales numbers of Twilight Princess uh, as of April of 2018, which I can't imagine it sold more than this, you know, much more than this, was 8.85 million units, and it was the best selling Zelda game until <laughs> Breath of the Wild. Oh, is that across all three platforms? Mm-hmm. Ganku, we yeah. and we you. Yep. Wind Waker uh on GameCube only sold four point six million copies. Uh and then what was the other one? Skyward Sword? Uh Skyward Sword. Now Skyward Sword and Wind Waker and Ocarina don't um include the three DS or the HD versions, respectively. Mm-hmm. Skyward Sword um, 
Skyward Sword HD sold 3.91 million units. Uh, and then on the Wii, um, um, let's see. I don't want Skyward Sword HD. Skyward Sword on the Wii sold 3.5 million units. So, I mean, you told those together, it's barely seven and a half million yeah. total. So, you know, those are, I mean, at that point, Breath of the Wild has outsold all of those games combined. So, you Especially know, when it's just, little. say when it, with you, with it being on one console, you well, know. Well, Breath of the Wild was on two consoles, technically. Oh, that is right. With you. I have my Wii U copy still sealed in a protective plastic case <laughs> because <laughs> I don't me. want it to. I, I feel like someday it's going to be worth something. Oh, heck and yeah. So when it is, I'm going to sell it. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but I I think having like, like, I think the story is it is important. And I know people want traditional stuff, but this is Nintendo. They want to keep tradition alive, but they want to also bring in innovation and everything. They 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 love when people have a foundation for their games and gameplay mechanics and ideas, but they also want to evolve that. And I think that's what makes the Zelda series um, in general great. You know, some of the greatest games of all time. It's because they get to innovate. Yes, they have some nostalgia. They still have some tradition uh, applied to their games. But when it's evolving, when there's innovation, that makes the memory of playing those games so much greater. So much, like, to me, pretty much exquisite and everything. Like, you know, whether they change the graphics or they go in a dark story or they move these characters or they bring this dungeon in, you know, they want to be able to evolve. They don't want to be stuck in the same thing because we have we have learned from Mega Man on what happens when there's no innovation and you stick to nostalgia and tradition. We have seen that, and there, and that stuff almost killed the series. It hurt it. It hurt it so much that they stopped doing two D games. You know, and yes, we got Battle well, they Network. They stopped doing three D games also. So <laughs> true. I mean, they. I mean, but we didn't have. Uh, I mean, if if Mega Man Legends did pop off the way that it could have. We probably would have had a Mega Man Legend 7 or 8 right about now. But it probably would have been the same thing. You know, this happened with Resident Evil and everything. Like, Capcom knows that if if their nostalgia stuff gets popular, they're going to stick to what works. But then they could also overdo it, which could kill a series. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, it because they didn't evolve. They they literally did not evolve Resident Evil to Resident Evil Four. Code Veronica was literally the last game that they did uh, that stuck in the same way that they presented and designed games and everything. You know, Resident Evil Four, Five, and Six um, was in that over the shoulder 
uh, action-packed idea of the games until seven and and uh eight came out where everything went back to or they tried added uh the first person perspective and everything so capcom knows that whatever works for them they'll stick to it you know if if the if the consumers and the fans are going to buy it up they're going to change little but make it feels like they did a lot mm-hmm. in a sense you know, we Marvel versus Capcom should have been big right about now, but the fourth game hurt it. Infinite hurt that game, hurt it because they changed too much, and it just felt like it's not a fighting game that we have come to know and love. Yes, Mega uh, Mega Man, uh, Marvel versus Capcom two, uh, put it at a high peak. Uh, for that kind of fighting series. And Mega Man, not Mega Man 3, goodness. <laughs> Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was almost there to meet to meet it, but it was just like a little bit under and everything. Uh, and then it, it just started hurting after that. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think people, I think with the Zelda series, um, I think if... If you want the foundation of it, it's always going to be there. If you want the nostalgia factor of it, it's going to be there. But it's just going to be in that era when those games were released. And Nintendo's going to do whatever they could do to make some things familiarize, but expand on that familiarity. To change your mind, to change your perspective, to be like, oh, they were able to do this, but they made it better and everything. Not tweak, not tweaked it tweak it they made it better mm-hmm. yeah so well Corey, uh anything else should we wrap it up there uh yeah i think we could uh i think we could put a pin in it um i would really like to try to bring this back every week um we're going to try i think uh but that'll be during the new year. Although if you are listening on free feeds, I think it is the new year already. So happy new year. Uh, But yeah, I think in 2024, I would really like to try to bring this back every week just because I don't know. It's, it's, it's a good time. Yes. With that, everybody have a great week. Have a great weekend. Corey, it's good to be back with an expression pass. I enjoy, I, I love these I conversations. Like forever. I feel like <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I think the last the, one we recorded was like way before Thanksgiving. It might've even been at like Halloween. It <laughs> so. was Halloween. The, uh, the cosplay one. Uh, but right. no, cause after that, we started doing the time capsule ones. Yeah. We need to get back to those too. Oh, that was so fun. Ugh. Uh, I cannot wait till we get to the. Is it Switch and 3D? What what is it? A Switch and what else? I don't remember. I'm gonna be honest with you. Oh, we'll figure it. You guys have probably already heard it. If not, you hear it yeah. in the future. No, but the air- they've already heard it. I think. <laughs> with that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next time on Expansion Pass. Bye, everybody. Bye. If you want to be a Patreon producer, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Media, and find out which tier is right for you. Our Patreon producers at the $5 tier or higher for this month are Adriel Munger, Celeste Roberts, 
Christian S., Sana Dierig, Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. Thank you for your continued support.